Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about all kinds of interesting things around the business of sports and other topics. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, welcome back. Hi, Joe. It's good to be back. There is an awful lot going on. Man, in is the there an awful lot. Right now. So why don't you just go down yep. a quick, quick hit list so, so just to, we get into the show. Yep, to time set, we're at the end of May, right before Memorial Day. And somewhere in the last 10 days, there's been a billion-dollar sale of an NFL team. There is Justify. Multi-billion. Multi-billion dollar. Justify is going for the Triple Crown. The NHL got a... What is really now a dream final, Stanley Cup final, which I don't think they would have thought was a dream between Washington and uh, Las Vegas. Arguably the greatest story, as someone said yesterday at the Legion's Conference, maybe ever in sports for a team startup. Um, There is um, an NBA Finals, which is going to be very, very interesting whenever they get there. And probably a conference final will go to seven games. and you've got the elephant in the sports biz room. Sports gambling, right. which we talked about in a previous podcast. Uh, the UFC jumping back from Fox to ESPN, right. a big move by Jimmy Pitaro and the people at, at ESPN to go yeah. and spend the money on that property. And all kinds of other stuff going on. Yeah, it's so, incredible. The, 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 the pace of new developments and stories is, is kind of stunning. And you know, A good you, reminder that we all have to do our best to keep up. Yep, and... Um, Especially in the digital social space, we're going to talk about athletes and brands mm-hmm. keeping up today because our guest is a former college football player, the brother of a soon-to-be Columbia football player who's been very highly touted, um, uh, an, an entrepreneur entrepreneur in the tech space, has raised money. We're going to talk about how you raise money, how you deal with athletes, and how really a business literally came from nowhere. Mm-hmm. to being one of the more dominant businesses in how brands engage with athletes in the social space. Blake Lawrence, the co-founder of Open Doors, welcome. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to be here. We can talk Columbia football. Columbia football. That's what I'm here to no, talk about. No, no, Brad, to do that yeah. in May, I have yeah, to say. I Nebraska football, we're going to talk a little bit right. about. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll do it. So, Blake, let's talk about uh, you and Adi, your partner, mm-hmm. um, who was a kicker at Columbia at, uh, at Nebraska. Yep. Um, and how you guys came up with this idea, playing football at the University of Nebraska, uh, and, and how Open Doors got started and, and what the business is. Yeah, this is a, a great opportunity to share the story, and I always enjoy going back to the origins. And it, it does start in a dorm room at Lincoln, uh, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and Audie and I played football there. And I started at linebacker, he started at kicker. Started, not, yeah. not just, you know, started know, at yeah, the University Yeah, of back in the so, day, yeah. uh, about 10 years ago at, at Nebraska. And we were always idea guys kicking around, you know, how can we who's, solve Who was the coach at that point? Uh, I was recruited by Bill Callahan, then Bo Pelini. Bo so Pelini. started for Bo Pelini, yeah. was uh, number one defense in the country my junior year. Uh, myself and Dominic and Sue, Francis Mukamara, some of those guys. Wow. And, and Lightweights, like NFL lightweights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was a skinny linebacker running around the middle trying to call the shots, but uh, did get, uh, become a starting linebacker in Nebraska, and I'm proud of that. Uh, my career was cut short due to concussions. So I know I don't know if you guys talk about it on the podcast much, but epidemic in sports, of course. But really quickly transitioned to the world of entrepreneurship. So I studied marketing, got my MBA in Nebraska, and before uh, I was even done with my MBA, Audie and I had started our first company, a social media agency. 
And we were having meetings on the practice field at Nebraska because wow. he still had but his... That was really early days. Oh, 2010. Legit, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. 2010. Early days yeah. of 2010. No, no early, hey, but that's early yeah. in social media. Yeah, especially. I mean, in terms of the... Inf- I mean, it was out there, but it wasn't quite mm-hmm. as important right. and influential. Yeah, as Facebook, as Twitter, they didn't... You couldn't <clears> even, <throat> even upload photos to them. Instagram you know, had not been launched yet. I right, know. Instagram wasn't around, so... Right. Dial-up was, was still in Twitter was just starting to get popular. Yeah, that's right. So we saw this opportunity and entrepreneurship is really about solving problems. So we saw businesses in the Midwest wanted to build their brand on social, but didn't know how. And so we started a social media agency um, and very quickly started work with athletes. And Adi's a year younger than you? Uh, we're oh, the same age, but he got to finish out his career. So I, I was uh, done after my junior year. And then he played in the NFL for one year. Yeah, right? then he went on with the Carolina Panthers, yeah. which obviously in the news this week as well. So, so, wait, so you guys just hung out a shingle? Like we can help you. Yes, yeah, we did, and we yeah, in the we, dorm room. Right? Yeah, we did. We, I mean, at the time in 2010, social media was in its infancy, and, and we just walked in and 20 years old and convinced uh, a business yeah, to hire some, us. What were some of your new? There were yeah, there were the local hospital car dealership. You know, somebody that just wanted to post uh, on social, and they knew their fans were there, they knew their customers were there, and they just wanted to get involved. So we started opening businesses, and being athletes at, at Nebraska, we started to work with athletes very early on. Um, so let me ask you one question in terms of the businesses. Yeah. Did it help or did it not matter that, that people knew you because you were football players at Nebraska? It helped, guaranteed. And I think that's one of those things. Today's student athletes, they may not be compensated, but they're given a platform to provide a, a voice, right? to create a voice and a brand. And I started using Twitter when I was on the team um, and probably overshared. I probably had some of those those bookies you guys are talking about and just, just tuning in. <laughs> we wouldn't know yeah. anything about that. Yeah, so. no. <laughs> they were trying to follow my tweets, figure yeah. out what's going on in Nebraska. But you know, what it did though, is it made it easy for me to walk into a room <clears throat> in Lincoln, Nebraska, say, hey, I played football in Nebraska and I'd like to help you. And just having that brand behind me allowed us to open doors that, that wouldn't have been there without that. So uh, there's a lot of value that comes from just being able to say you're a student athlete at a high mm-hmm. level. But you had to figure out how to be an agency, how to be a consultant, like what your deliverables are, how to price things. Right. And you were learning on the job, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, 100%. And that's one of those things that sports and status as a student athlete can open a door, but you have to succeed. You have to be right. able to win. Right. And being a student athlete, you compete. You find out, you practice, you study, you get you get up early and figure out what you can do to get better every day. And, and that's what makes you successful in sports. And what's, what's you know, critical to building something from scratch is that same dedication. So the student athlete experience is uh, pretty the foundation for Audi and I being able to take a risk and build a company in Nebraska. And our first um, year was just businesses and we started to help athletes. And you know, Prince Mukamara got drafted to the New York Giants and his social media following blew up. And he said, hey, I, I wanna do something with this. I wanna engage with my fans. And um, so we built a strategy for him. And when he said, this is a great strategy. Just to be, but you were kind of literally doing this, like flying an airplane while building it. Because yeah. you guys didn't really yeah. know what the business was. It wasn't like, oh, well, I learned from Bill Gates. And he said that. And, there, and there wasn't any kind there, of precedent. No. There was no one to learn in the business no, to learn No, from. this was right. a lot of uh, just throw it against the wall, see what sticks. I mean, right. this isn't a, there wasn't a playbook that you had to pull out. And it obviously off. stuck. But yeah. how were you, I mean, if you can remember, how were you trying to measure success? For your clients, well, just for, yeah, top line social media metrics. Yeah, social media metrics were there, but it had to. We really always started with why. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you making an investment in social, right? And and then start with why. That's 
we can do that in any business. I'm but writing that down, Blake. Hey, start so with why. What do you, and then who are you trying to reach? Who's your audience? Where, and then what are what do you want them to do? And what are they doing right now? And where are they having conversations? What are they having conversations? So if we could identify your audience, then and we knew what they were talking about, where they're having conversations, we could get you to be part of it. Now, the product in which you're pushing has to be relevant to them, yet be providing value. Just again, we were going to open a door to your audience and then allow you to perform. Uh, so that was something that was critical for us was helping these brands understand that asking for ROI and begging for ROI on social, um, you know, in that day and age, that was the, the common thing. Why are we doing this? And now I don't think you can imagine a brand without a social right. media presence. And uh, it's because that's where the conversation is. And I, I believe it's critical building something as being part of the conversation. But first. at what point did, did you evolve and make it a marketplace? as opposed to kind of an agency service model. Yeah, so the, the technology side of Open Rush really stemmed out of identifying more problems along the way. So helping businesses, we really had no problem logging into the social accounts of the local hospital or car dealership and posting because there was no level of authenticity that we needed to create. It was a, a logo on a screen, so no one's gonna argue the voice of that brand. But when we started to work with athletes, we knew it was critical that they maintain authenticity because the engagement that they were driving was six to 10 times higher than anything these businesses ever shared. And it was because it was a one-to-one -one connection between an athlete and their fan. And because of that, we didn't ever post four prints. We didn't post four athletes. We would create content, send it to them and tell them when to post it so they could be a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's at that moment when we discovered a new problem, which is getting athletes or helping athletes share content on social uh, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, these guys are busy. They make their money on the field, not the phone. Um, but they have an audience that is craving content that they can engage with. So we, we knew there was an opportunity, but Prince would always forget to post or he'd post the wrong thing at the wrong time and, and he wasn't able to maximize it. So um, Adi and I built Open Doors, a very simple way that you can you say, Prince, we're gonna send you a, a video, an image, with a date and time and it's to say, hey, this is going out on Twitter at five o'clock on Tuesday, yes or no. If he says yes, then our software would do the rest, send it out. And wow. that was a way for us to solve a problem for Prince. And Prince loved it. He showed his agent at CAA, um, Jennifer Thatcher, Todd France, who's actually before they were part of CAA. They added five athletes, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Golden Tate. And then a month later, the NFL Players Association called us and said, hey, could you help us with all of our players and sponsors and licensees? And this technology we built for a friend became a solution for the biggest association. So, so what year is that? That's 20... This is early 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. So we were tinkering around with the, the agency and building that up, um, which at the time was 25-person social media agency growing in the Midwest, but we also had this, this technology, this software that started to and take how did the, how did the, that development tie back to your brand clients, the, the company clients, well, that was to the athletes? Yeah, the, the company clients started to see that we had this additional asset, another way to reach and engage their audience. And when we showed the stats that everything that the athletes were saying, no matter what, we were good at our jobs at helping these businesses, and we could have the perfect piece of content and work our tails off for it. And then an athlete could casually post a piece of content and have six to 10 times higher engagement. So when we showed the brands that when athletes share your content, you're reaching a larger audience, a more engaged audience, and they're, they're ready to convert to customers faster. 
because of the trust that those those consumers have with those athletes, that became something where more and more of those businesses wanted to tap into the influence of athletes and start to share content on social. So before we lose the the idea, I don't want to yeah. give people the idea. Can you walk through exactly what Open Doors is? Because we didn't even touch yeah. on that. So. Yeah, so Open Doors is an athlete marketing platform. It's evolved from uh, just a simple text message solution for a, a friend of ours in Nebraska and to... Um, the leading athlete marketing platform. So 3,200 athletes around the world use openers to share content on social. So we have, we help them connect with partners that have access to content. So a sponsor, a team, a league, an athletic department, anyone that wants an athlete to share content on social, it's a, a safe place for those athletes to get that content from that partner, have total control over what the message is and when it's going out. They say yes, and we do the rest. So 3,200 athletes from Messi to McGregor to Gronk and uh, Candace Parker and up and down sports. We're the ones. And, and colleges as well. Yeah. So working in the college space and um, we're starting to have more and more conversations about the student athlete uh, experience and, and how student athletes are a major force in conversation in sports. Their social handles are now channels for the university they play for and um how those can translate into opportunities to build a brand while still on campus. But when you started connecting the brands to the athletes, mm-hmm. there, it, it implies an, a sponsorship or an endorsement, mm-hmm. hence the name, I guess. Right, open, open doors, doors yeah. Right. So what was the financial proposition and, and what were the mechanics of that? Yeah, so the, for the first three years of openers, we all we did was work with sponsors and licensees on, on sponsored content. So athletes being compensated to push out branded messages. But a yeah. rate would be established. A rate, the athlete yeah. would decide. You have to determine on how many followers they have, their engagement level of different metrics and whatnot, um, and their interest in the brand, and that would determine what the cost of a uh, the value of a post would be. So a cost per tweet, cost per Facebook post, that sort of thing. And um, those athletes had always had control over that as well. But at the core, Open Doors was simply just the tool in which uh, distribute the content through those athletes. So if you strip away any of the sponsored content elements of it, Open Doors is a, a content distribution solution for right. athletes and their partners. Sometimes they're paid for it. And those paid sponsored content for athletes continues to rise. I mean, this is something that's increased 10x. There is 10 times more sponsored posts by athletes and December of 2017, as in January of 2017. And what's that number roughly, would you say? It's about a couple thousand a month, mm-hmm. right? A couple thousand. You're talking about the main, the the top athletes in the United States, the ones that we track every single thing they say. And uh, you're talking about a couple thousand a month. And you're the average, um, well, the range in which an athlete can be compensated at the pro level is between $50 and the low end. And like I'm talking about, that's like your... That's your Blake Lawrence, the former Nebraska linebacker <laughs> type rate, up to $50,000 and above. And so we've paid athletes um, in, in the $25,000, $30,000 just for one post on social on behalf of our brand partners. Wow. So, so before we get into the investment side and how you guys did raise money, mm-hmm. how, how do you make money now? So are you paid by athletes? agencies, brands, how does, what's the, the, the value chain? Yeah, so Open Doors is free for athletes, always will be. We're here to help athletes share content on social. So we're, we are on their side and, and helping them look good. And for us, we have um, uh, simple, simplified our solutions and our pricing along with that. Uh, our software comes in an annual subscription. So you pay for access to Open Doors and the 3,200 athletes that use it, you can invite anyone you want to Open Doors. So if you're a college program, um, you can invite your 
constituents, student athletes, up to administrators. If you're a pro team, you can invite your athletes there, or they might already be using open doors. So the price, the prices vary based on the number of participants or seats, as they call it in software. Yeah, so it would be yeah, basically based on how many seats. Not not you can add unlimited athletes. Again, we're always um, saying you can help as many athletes as you want as a partner of ours. So it really scales up and down based on the feature set you're using within the software. Uh, but yeah, and it. it an annual subscription, $10,000 is really the, the bottom price that you get in that. Um, and that can scale all the way up for some of the major uh, properties in the world that can go from there. So then all you do from there is, is whatever you pay the athletes or pay for service packages within our team. So we provide some solutions around copy and content creation and additional services. But that's yeah, an annual uh, subscription for the property partners and, and the brand partners that use Openers to simplify the distribution of content. And, and what are some of the better campaigns that people would know about that you could talk about? Some of the brands that have been great partners for Openers? Yeah, I think one of my favorites of, of recent is the New Jersey Devils when they made the playoffs this year. This is a celebration for that fan base that's been craving that type of excitement and energy for a long time. And New Jersey Devils are a partner of ours. And they had content loaded up and ready for those guys. So the moment they got off the ice, knowing they made the playoffs, they had a piece of content waiting for them on their phone. And they could just hit yes. And, and we did the rest, like send it out at the opportune time. And it was a unified message for their fan base, thanking them you know, for support to get there. And like those are the moments where those athletes, all eyes are on what they're going to say. And these properties are realizing that the players are the ones driving conversations. They're the ones that are... Uh, the fans are tuning in to understand what are they saying, what is their reaction, and what are their thoughts. And by providing them with a, a key piece of content in that moment, they were able to capitalize on that opportunity and drive a lot of value. Um, and we're behind the scenes a lot with NFL draft campaigns, and you know, the Panini is a, a major partner of us mm -hmm. on the sponsored content side. And you know Saquon Barkley, the very first post he shared as a professional athlete was for Panini, and it was him capturing that moment. He's Panini, the card company. Yeah, not, yeah, not, not, not the correct. Yeah, that's right. So. Panini's a, a great partner, and, yep. and if you don't, uh, Jason Harworth. No, yeah, yeah, Jason's a great leader in sports marketing, and but those guys are are really helping these athletes celebrate um, in a key moment, and without taking them away from it. I mean, Saquon is still on stage, and he's sharing um, with his fans the opportunity to get his first card as a professional athlete. So here we are uh, closing in on the end of the first half of 2018. Can you give a quick assessment of the relative importance of the different platforms? Because they're all evolving in different ways. Yes. Um, uh, and I'm sure you've seen a change over the last five years. Yeah, there has been. I mean, the, the growth of Instagram has been something that has been phenomenal uh, for us in the world of sports and also for the world of athletes and the engagement levels and metrics of athletes on Instagram continue to rise. They use Instagram uh, video, photo, stories, um, more than other platforms are growing in that, that aspect. But if they're not, they should because the fans are there and they're consuming at a high rate. Facebook is struggling to get adoption within the athlete uh, world. And it's one of those where the younger athletes aren't growing up using Facebook. And those are the athletes that are typically heavy users of social. Um, and so Facebook is incenting and trying to drive more awareness of athletes on that platform. Twitter is, is still dominant in sports. The conversation in sports happens on Twitter. So athletes, they live there. Um, it's, it's home for them. And younger athletes are doing more on Twitter than that middle uh, layer generation that's you know, kind of between Drew Brees, you know, would be uh, an early adopter of social, but not a heavy user of, of, of Twitter um, to the 
Juju Smith-Schuster's and Baker Mayfield, some of those younger guys that are really adopting those platforms at a high rate too. So how about, how about Snapchat? Snapchat's always in- interesting for us, and because of our solution, we encourage athletes to build an audience on Snapchat. But the branded content is a challenge for athletes to actually turn that into uh, monetization because of the lack of visibility and key metrics behind Snapchat. Um, very little uh, understanding of how many views a piece of content gets, as well as the Snapchat is built around this story component and athletes flipping their phone around and talking to a camera. And there's a, a small percentage of athletes that are comfortable in that setting without a heavily like, guided production experience of creating branded content on Snapchat. So it's brands have not jumped onto it as much, one, because it's difficult to track, and also two, it's hard to produce content that drives engagement with athletes on Snapchat. I just thought of another angle that, that um, c- could be interesting here. And that is the, di- the different leagues have different social media policies. Mm-hmm. Do you have to fully understand and assess, <clears throat> excuse me, all those policies before you can proceed with any new client? Yes, they, we help we help leagues navigate their own social content distribution policies that they set in place, so they can unlock the ability for their athletes to share content on social. So. Mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth wins the Travelers Championship, chips in to win. It's a, it's a great moment in sports. And PJ Tour knows that that content in Jordan Spieth's feed is the most viable place they can put it. And so they give it to him. They share it with him. And he's able to share that without any um, rights restrictions and whatnot because they've carved out and had discussions internally about we know that our athletes' handles are channels for us. And content distribution and social should play that way. There are other leagues, and I won't list them by name, that uh, will send a cease and desist to their top athletes for sharing their own highlights on their own social channels. And it's not for a lack of understanding that that's- Yeah, I wonder who that is, Tom. Let's, let's do, we'll try and guess. Oh, okay, keep going. Yeah. Three, it, are there three initials? Yeah. yeah. They don't play in the fall. So yeah, yeah. So, but those are moments where we get to sit down with properties and have conversations now. I mean, we're partners with PJ Tour and LPJ and Women's Tennis Association, the NFLPA, and dozens, uh, you know, 50 plus college properties across the country, college conferences. And we get to educate them all on the power of the athlete and the value of their voice and how their social channels, um, their social handles are now channels. And they unlock that distribution of content, tap into a fan base, increase the percentage of the inventory they own uh, being shared on social, and it, everybody wins. Yet some of them, their policies are so strict and, and what they can do on digital with broadcasts and distribution rights that their own athletes can't share content that they created technically. Um, so we're, we're helping educate. But, but as a specific example for a property that is not as liberal with the use and distribution and use of let's say video clips, mm-hmm. you have to factor that in to what you ultimately produce yes. for the clients. Yes, and and so what we do, our our partners are the properties, and so naturally if they're bringing us in, then they've navigated internally to justify that okay, we can take a video clip from the event that we just produced. Serena Williams wins the French Open. Yes, yes, season. in our highlights. So or you know, uh, Formula One, Lewis Hamilton, like that type of experience where I'll just say it straight up, like that was in the past, like Lewis Hamilton drives more engagement and one post on social than Formula One does in a month, right? And that they, Formula One knows that. Yeah, okay. And, but their own rights doesn't allow them to capitalize on it and share the content. 
Yep. So that's oh okay right. So now they're changing the, the restrictions right. and saying that no, we can share content on social and our drivers can share content on social. Okay. And if they allow that to happen, they're going to unlock a, a new asset that's going to transform. To me, I think it's the future of content distribution in sports is not just through properties, not through publishers, but through the players themselves. So speaking of Formula One, yep. uh, we want to talk about your investors and how uh, at one point there was, you know, the. Uh, the Great Plains of Nebraska didn't just kind of print all this money that people kept flowing into open doors. So um, you created a disruptive model, kind of a unique entrepreneurial model. How did you raise money? Who have you raised money from? And how have you used the money? Yeah, so we, when we started Open Doors, we still had our social media agency, Herdat. And we sold Herdat in 2014. Um, but in that first Who year, you to? Uh, B2 Interactive, a digital shop out of Omaha. They were looking to do more on social, did a lot of web development. So they, they bought our company and that allowed us to focus on open doors, but it also allowed us to have a little bit of a, some breathing room on, on getting those first couple of years off the ground, right? And that's essential in building anything is to have a uh, product market fit or some additional growth and stats. Like you can solve He's a got problem every phrase down. No, no, so this no, is like no. every digital media. No, class. yeah, you got anyway, it, man. It's great. Um, and so we bootstrapped the first company to 25 employees, sold it, used that to really get openers up and off the ground. But we raised a, a friends and family round in 2013, $300,000 convertible note, right? If you guys want to talk about those types of details. And, you know, that was a, those early rounds are just, it wasn't about openers at all. It was about Blake and Adi. Do I believe in these yeah. two? And the fact that we had built an, a company to blow, we had the other one that helped. And then we raised a, another uh, round in 2014, our first price round in 2015, led by Flyover Capital. They're based out of Kansas City and, and Flyover is intentional. That name um, should be familiar. <laughs> Flyover country, right? Nebraska, Kansas, like that Midwest region that sometimes people forget about. Um, what other companies have they invested in, do you know? Um, yeah, there's some more in the Midwest. Uh, they're heavily involved with Shot Tracker. I think. Oh wow! Yeah. So Dude, Shot Tracker, yeah. Dodgers, yeah. 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 Davion Ross of Shot mm-hmm. Tracker was uh, our first investor in Open Doors. Oh, so okay. uh, yeah. So yeah. Davion's, names, yeah. Davion's a good friend. Okay. So um, so flyover, flyover capital, and then those early rounds we didn't have a lot of those names in sports business, and I'm okay with that. Um, we started to grow from there. Uh, raised another round of funding just in 20. 16, 17, 17. Um, with Sarah Ventures out of Champaign, Illinois, and they've got a portfolio of 100, um, more than 100 companies, and they've been around a while. These Both of those lead investors were focused on building businesses in the Midwest. We struggled to raise capital. I'm not going to lie. I'm because sure because you are in Nebraska. Yes, I, I, I believe that. Like Our story is strong. We've been doing this for the right reasons, and the numbers are there. But... Um, there are times in which, despite the Oracle of Omaha sitting right there, uh, well, so, Warren, yeah, yeah, Warren doesn't answer my calls. Uh, <laughs> Shout out for Warren Buffett. Yeah, okay. yeah, oh, good old okay. Buffett. No, and you'll show him someday. There, there's there, there's value in the Midwest, and not this not a knock on Warren. There's there are a lot of interesting opportunities to raise capital from angels that have earned their wealth because of Warren mm-hmm. Buffett, some Berkshire Hathaway shares, right? But uh, raising capital from the coast, being a Midwest company, is a challenge. Wow. Um, and, but we were able to put together a round at the right time. Momentum is really good for us as a company right now. And in our last round, we had some good names in sports. Sean Bratches, who's uh, big, the head Formula of Formula One, One yeah. um, and former at ESPN, just a, a great guy and uh, really understands this content distribution play. Um, and then Dan Mannix of Lead Dog Marketing. Mm-hmm. And my favorite is Prince Amukamara. 
the very first person we built this company for and this software for. And when he wanted to invest, we we say that open doors is free for athletes, always will be. We don't want to raise capital from athletes. We want to give capital to athletes. We we don't take, we give. And so we only allowed him to invest up to the amount in which we had paid him since we had started the company. And so we just netted out to, to zero and, and everything and allowed him to become an owner of, of open doors at some level. So, you know, thankful for those people that that uh, have believed in the vision along the way, because five years of building something, a lot of times you don't get that long. Right. Um, yeah. But this market didn't exist. We've, I, I believe we have willed it into existence because of our belief that athletes matter. So what lessons have you learned as an entrepreneur? You, you, you're the rare case of someone who literally went straight from the dorm dorm room into the, to the entrepreneur. Never left the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you had your agency, which as a service business yeah. is a lot simpler structurally and, and, and kind of commitment-wise right. than raising millions of dollars from investors and actually building, you know, having 27 employees and yeah. things like that. Um, man, I would say that whatever I learned, good people are behind every great product and every company. Uh, there, are, You have to have people that are all moving in the same direction, that have the same vision, have the same purpose and alignment. And I don't care if we're making... Uh, French fries and, and selling them on the streets, or we're helping the biggest athletes in the world share content on social. It doesn't matter. You have to have great people that believe in why you're doing something. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that is the most ambiguous, like that's a high level anecdote, like, but that's true. And the other part of it is, if you're going to solve a problem, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, and I've been doing this for eight, nine years now as a total, like, be passionate about it. I care. I, I do. I just wake up. I care. And if, if no one else was behind me, I'd still be cutting down trees in the forest. Right. Like I just, I don't care. I, I, it's just, yeah. you have to be passionate about it. Cause so many times oh, I'm thinking about trying this and this, but when it gets hard, people quit and you can't have that uh, mentality that you're halfway in. If you're all the way in and you believe that what you're doing deserves to exist and you wake up and think about it and you, you think about it until you go to sleep and you do it again every day, you're going to find a way. And I believe that's been critical for us because we've built a team of people that also believe. Tell, any mistakes that you've learned from? What's the biggest mistake you guys have learned from? Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of them. I would say we over-engineered mm-hmm. open doors. Uh, there are many times that you tinker, you, you play, and... You know, we imagine a bullseye, visualize a bullseye. And when we started Open Doors, it was a simple, lovable, complete way to get someone else to share content on social. And then I want you to visualize that next ring of the bullseye, then you had another one, you had another one, because you think that you might need this or that a customer might need it. And you start building things onto it, onto it, and it becomes too big. Um, and you lose track of why you exist and why you started in the first place. And I think that uh, we did that. I think we spent the first three years trying to solve problems that were maybe not real problems. Mm-hmm. And um, our golly, I've enjoyed Open Door so much more when we got back to our roots and said, you know what, if we could just say, let's put the athlete right in the middle, let's help these guys. Um, and anyone that wants to, to work with athletes, man, we'll be right there to make it easy for you. Um, and we started to, we literally stripped away every bullseye and went right back to the most simple, lovable, complete version of Open Doors. And it's transformed the way that our customers experience Open Doors, um, the way that our team can have confidence in bringing it to new partners. So entrepreneurs tend to want to chase shiny objects and build more layers. 
sometimes keeping it simple can help you scale and can help you uh, be more confident. All right, last question before the wrap. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and by the way, we have to talk a little Columbia football at the end. Of the uh, yeah, dude, about his, son, his brother. But just a quick one. Where do you see the business being five years from now? Do you see it expanding beyond what how it's defined, what it is today? I would say that we will still be helping athletes. We'll be helping hundreds of thousands of athletes across the, the world um, at all levels of sport. So we're talking about experimenting in the student athlete space and, and collegiate athletics. Um, esports at some point, I'm sure. Right, esports. It's just these individuals that work their tails off um, to have an audience deserve every opportunity to capitalize on it. And that could be down to the high school level. It could be down to... Um, Do you do coaches too? Yeah, coaches use Open Doors every day. Um, mm -hmm. And because those are those are ones that... Uh, and so in five years, we'll still be helping could, athletes. Would you, would you extend it into the, the mainstream entertainment business? Actors, musicians, etc.? I believe until we help every athlete in the world, we shouldn't focus on anything else. Okay. That's a great so, answer. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's... Uh, that's hard to say. And again, shiny objects exist. Yeah. We've been asked about entertainment beyond, and but uh, sports is our focus and what we care about. So before we get to the final two questions, just tell us a little bit about two things. One is, and, and Tom doesn't know the story, but real quickly about your family background, which is really unique. And off of that, your brother, who is a very highly regarded tight end, who out of all the schools he was being recruited for, some big schools mm -hmm. decided to pick Columbia to play football and eventually go to medical school. Yeah, that's right. So Jackson Heath is going to be the new tight end number 44 for the Columbia Lions this fall. 6'5", uh, 225-pound, 230-pound tight end, uh, my little brother, and in incredibly excited for him. My older brother, quick background, I played football in Nebraska. My older brother played quarterback at Kansas. Uh, my dad was a punter um, in college. My stepdad played basketball at Kansas State. Uh, my sister-in-law was a point guard at Oklahoma with the Paris Twins and um, all of them when they went of to course. the Final Four. Yeah, so. uh, her father was a punter at Kansas State as well. Um, her little brother, Ryan Willis, is a quarterback at Virginia Tech. What's um, this college, like the Thanksgiving football game? I don't even want to know. <laughs> oh, Keep it going. is, man. Yeah. Keep it going. is. So, so it's, wow. we got a family of, of athletes, and Jackson is um, an incredible athlete that decided to go Ivy League over – Oregon State and Oklahoma, Virginia Tech, uh, yeah. those types of schools. And he ended up having nearly 20 offers to go play football in college. And Al Bagnoli, when I saw him one day, described it as ridiculous that this kid is actually coming to Columbia. Yeah. So, yeah. So, which is great for everybody. Yeah, he knows he knows that the education is there. And, you know, two brothers that played college football at a high level, but careers were cut short. Um, my brother played three years at, at Kansas and was – tied up with the Mark Mangino and all that stuff. I don't remember any of those, those uh, issues in Kansas. So we both played three years, and I think he saw that if if football doesn't last forever, right, and that's fundamental to our story, but it's the story of the athletes we help. Um, and if you're going to play ball, get an education at the same time, and be in a, a city like New York, Columbia is, is the perfect place to go to wow, school. It's exciting. There you go. Yeah, it's fun. And you, you can hang out with them. That's right. It's yeah. right down the street. And you'll build out a whole athlete program for Columbia as well. Yeah, eventually. we're working on it. <laughs> yep. um, so our last two questions, and you answered one about, a little bit about the advice, if there's any more you want to give about the advice, but how do you stay constant or, or up to date with everything that's going on? Who do you follow? What do you do? What do you listen to? I follow you, Joe. Jesus. Go for it, man. Yeah, you, you're the man. 
Uh, well, there's the first mistake. We're yeah. talking about mistakes that he's made. So. You know, I, I have really enjoyed the way that the sports has gone to the newsletter. I don't know who created that concept, but I know. The that, newsletter that I do? Yeah, well, you, yeah. I've but the newsletter is everybody <laughs> yeah. now, you know. And, and mm-hmm. so uh, the Sports Business Journal, obviously, is something that everyone should have a subscription to or at least get access mm-hmm. to. Um, but front office sports is one that uh, yep. has really Adam grown. Adam White does a great job. He does. Uh, and Adam White was an intern for us at Overdose. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. why he writes about you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to. Yeah. Um, hashtag sports is a good resource and they yeah. continue to grow. D1 Ticker, if you're into college athletics, yep. D1 Ticker is a great resource. And so I'm just trying to think of what fills up my feet in the morning. Any other non-sports things? Fast company? Like marketing or sponsorship yeah. kinds of stuff? Yeah. No, I, I mean... For us, the yeah, the IEG or the sponsorship, those those sorts of resources, those are there. Um, and for myself, now Audi, my business partner, reads. I mean, he's a he's going to pick up the book, he's going to read the resources. I prefer to learn from from people. You know, so if I would encourage you as an entrepreneur, find people um, that will share their story and, and spend time with you because they're. Their anecdotes can transform and, and get you through those tough times. So you can read as much as you want, but you face the the, the realities of building mm-hmm. something and you have somebody that's gone through it, they can help you through it. Yep. And then uh, most importantly, how do people find Open Doors, follow Open Doors, follow you and Adi on, on social? Yeah, you don't want to follow Adi, just follow me. Yeah. I would say, no. That's, Adi, uh, Adi's another whole podcast, by the way. Yeah, he is. He's so. great. He's a... Born in Bosnia, a uh, refugee, moved to Did he move to New York too or is he in? He's Europe? in Nebraska. So we've got a team of 25 in our office in Nebraska. We're just building a new headquarters there, uh, taking over a whole building and custom build outs can be beautiful. So you can find us in Lincoln, Nebraska, if you're, if you're in town. Uh, <laughs> but flying over. we got a couple out here in our New York office, but uh, opendoors.com. Opendoors is O-P-E-N-D-O-R-S-E. It's the word endorse with O-P in front of it. You like that, Tom? Well, that's what it means. That's what it is. You're just getting that now? Yeah, I'm all about pun. Um, and then at Open Doors on Twitter and at Blake underscore Lawrence on Twitter and at Kanalik, K-U-N-A-L-I-C on Twitter. I'm worth a follow. I'll entertain you. <laughs> Adi Kanalik is another one. You know, you talk about guys who are kind of like the odd couple. He is uh, from Bosnia, a, a Muslim from Bosnia who ended up being a kicker at the University of Nebraska. Wow. Yep. Who played in the NFL for a year and came yeah. up? Where did he go? Where did he, he? He went to high school. And yeah, he moved. No, he moved from Bosnia uh, to Germany to flee the. Uh, wow. Yeah. So he played, he played American style, style football in Germany, and then yeah, then went yeah. to high school in Texas. Like Marcus. And, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like Marcus Kuhn. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. So. Wow. What a story. Yeah. That, thanks, Blake. That yeah. was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for letting me tell the story. Our pleasure. So uh, we've been talking to Blake Lawrence, who's the co-founder mm-hmm. and CEO of Open Doors, um, a really exciting new platform, relatively new platform for athlete marketing. It really is a, um, a great idea. And it's really nice to hear that it's going well. Because I think I met you maybe... I just this just occurred to me like maybe one of your first trips to New York it was to yes. socialize this business yes it was was at one of these little one, single day conferences it, it and I remember was. thinking the idea was good but it but you went back to Nebraska and then I saw you that's before. right yeah, yeah pop up but yeah we've been working on it so yeah Tom we've yeah. been that's great. By the way, guys, I think it was at hashtag sports it may have been at hashtag sports was it that one where they did it on the Upper East Side. Anyway, anyway, yeah. yeah we'll All right. Back. Uh, I think that's a cue for us to end this. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the latest episode with our guest, Blake Lawrence. Thank you, Joe. Always thanks to our producer, Maurice. Always a pleasure. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and the host is Joe Fabrito. 
production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.